Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker, a career and executive coach, and today I welcome Denise Brasso to the show. Denise, welcome to the show. So happy to be here, Caroline. Oh, I'm thrilled. You and I go way back, and I just listened to your TEDx talk, which is extraordinary, and I'm thrilled for us to have a conversation today where you're going to share your wisdom and expertise about thought leadership, developing or rebuilding trust, and other wisdom from your recent TEDx talk in Sedona. So let's let's get started. You've been advocating for leaders to be thought leaders for a very long time, Denise. Why is this topic so important to you? I think it's two things, Caroline. I think the first is the world is full of challenges and we need more voices at the table. And thought leadership is that idea of having a public voice, having a point of view and using your platform for progress. And, and that is why I believe that that thought leadership is the key skill set of our time. But secondly, I think it offers career insurance. So this idea that if you really are a well-known thought leader, you're kind of guaranteed employment, as it were, because people like to work with, to hire, to consult with, to contribute with thought leaders. And so my advocation of this is, let's do it. I love that term, career insurance, and certainly as someone who is working with folks not only seeking employment, but navigating the management of their career, I, I couldn't agree more. So I mentioned your, your TEDx talk from Sedona is now live, and it's on your website, and we're going to tell our listeners how to get there. But in listening to that, it was so thought-provoking for me to hear you talk about rebuilding trust. So I'd love for you to speak to that, Denise, and, and how thought, leadership, and trust are related. You know, the idea really was new for me to come to. When I first began my work, it was really with individuals. And for individuals, I think thought leadership is about influence and impact and legacy. But as I started to work on a new book on this idea of thought leading organizations, I realized that the conversation is actually very different. That for organizations, thought leadership is really about rebuilding or building trust. When you look at the world around us, you know, last year, Edelman's Trust Barometer Report came out and it was said that 2017 was the year of trust in crisis. Yeah. And when really, I mean, you feel that, don't you? It's this sense that you know, all around us, companies are misbehaving and, and entities that are supposed to be our support structures no longer feel that way. And so this idea that for all of us to be a part of rebuilding trust is part of this idea of thought leadership and these organizations taking a stand, being public in their point of view, really uh, having a, a strong voice that others can look to them for leadership, both as individual members of companies and organizations, but also as the organization itself. You know, it's an interesting time because unemployment is at an historic low, which is exciting. The talent wars are back and competitive jobs are certainly still competitive, but the talent out there have options. So they are being very discerning about the types of organizations for whom they work. And you you coined this, this beautiful new phrase, carefrontation, in the TEDx talk. I'd love for you to tell our listening audience about that and how that's really transforming how we build trust. The idea of carefrontation came from this wonderful organization called Vistage. Vistage, I probably known about for years, but I didn't realize 60-year-old organization runs these CEO groups and uh, or groups for business owners to really help them scale their organizations. And they have adopted this internal 
behavior model, this cultural norm of carefrontation. And carefrontation is this idea that we do need to confront one another. We need to strengthen weak ideas into strong ideas by kind of batting them around and, and, and really looking at them from all sides. But we have to do that with care, that people do not come with their best ideas if they feel like they're going to immediately have them shot down. So this idea that we create a culture of carefrontation in our all our organizations or in all of our actions with one another, that whenever we come together with someone realizing that we it is a gift for people to share their ideas. And if, if we can take them with care and yet also help them to strengthen them with this model, I think we all get better. We have more innovation, both within organizations and within the world. I think it's an incredible concept, but you and I both know there's a lot of fear out there and lack of trust and uh, lack of a safe space to have those conversations. So what I'm hearing is an essential culture shift in organizations. And you talk about building trust circles or trust tribes. Tell me more about that. I do think there is a shift that needs to happen. And we see pharmaceutical companies, banks, churches, all the rest, government, everything seems to be... Everything seems to be breaking down as far as as institutions we can trust. I think it has to start with us individually and one organization at a time, adopting new cultural norms, adopting new behaviors. This idea of the trust circle really came from my work for many, many years working with women entrepreneurs and realizing how challenging it is for women to raise venture capital funding, both here in Silicon Valley, where I live, but much further beyond, and understanding that it it really comes down to sort of a basic human behavior that we have, which is we tend to trust the people who look and act and went to the same schools and look like us, you know, people who are, who we feel comfortable with because they talk a similar language, they had similar experiences. Well, over time, that has caused some real disequilibriums and some yeah. inequalities to creep in, right? So you think about Silicon Valley with its its norm of, you know, we're going to fund the young guy in a hoodie who studied engineering at Stanford. Well, there's only so many of those. And right. that leaves an enormous number of us on the sidelines. And so my attitude of having to shift out of this default thinking of us versus them and and those who are like me are people I'm going to and who actually remind me of my younger self are the people that I'm going to to fund or support or recommend we have to all break that down we all need to think beyond our initial uh, uh, actions our initial reactions to people and think wow okay this person makes me feel uncomfortable but is that enough of a reason not to potentially recommend them for a, a position does this p- and potentially listen to their ideas or fund their dreams I think all of those are behaviors that we have to shift I love that because you're giving permission and really onus to all the global listeners to to take action and say, okay, what role can I play in this culture shift and this sea change? And maybe it's welcoming diversity of thought or or just different perspectives in in hiring and recruiting and, and how we collaborate with people. Any other thoughts about how our listeners in particular can get involved? I think that there's a lot of things we can start doing right away. You know, this idea of reaching our hand out to someone not like us that we tend to ignore or overlook 
can happen in a minute, right? We don't need any preparation for that. We can look around us and think, who am I not paying any attention to? Whose ideas are getting talked over in meetings? Who is it who might have a different point of view on what we're working on right now, the product that we're developing or the service we're, we're advocating or whatever it is? And then, then I think there's also things we can stop doing. And I think we can stop doing things on social media, for example. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, stop attacking anything that feels not like something we we know or understand or are comfortable with. Stop attacking other people, other organizations, others who are not like us. I think we can do it in meetings too. We can, we can stop behavior that is, you know, frequently uh, occurring, which is running over people or, or uh, having the, 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 most senior voices dominate, uh, I think we can also stop to think that maybe there is something I can learn here. Maybe there is something I don't yet know and that maybe others can learn from me. So the other half of this is being willing to to tentatively, maybe at first, but be willing to share our voice, be willing to be part of the conversation, sit up at the table and, and get our voices onto the op-ed page, whatever it might be. Beautifully put. You know, I can I can hear the book uh, writing as we speak in your brain, Denise. It's exciting. We're going to talk about that in a sec too. But let's talk about thought leadership again. This has been such a passion of yours, and and your book called "Ready to Be a Thought Leader" uh, is certainly uh, something that I refer so frequently to my clients, and I have it dog-eared and highlighted, and I just refer to it so frequently. But I know that there are a lot of leaders out there trying to introduce the culture of thought leadership in their organization. So how do they get started? Well, the good news is I think we've seen some models in the last year, year and a half that are really different and really new and fresh. And that is organizations taking a stand. For example, Black Lives Matter, the issue in of uh, bathrooms and gender in North yeah. Carolina, the issues of Me Too, we're actually seeing not just individuals, but organizationals, uh, organizations having a voice in these issues and taking a stand on issues that matter. And just, you know, a few weeks ago, we had BlackRock under $6 trillion under management. The CEO comes out and says, organizations need to be thinking beyond the bottom line and be able to make a difference in their communities and to their employees, that's also what matters. And I thought, I've been waiting my whole career Yay. to hear that. <laughs> so this I, it feels like it's giving us permission when big companies step forward and when uh, organizations like BlackRock stand forward for this perspective that, that these it feels more safe. But I also think we can do something internally, that we can nurture our, our employees for example, taking their professional development more seriously around helping them to shape a point of view, helping them to be better speakers and writers, be able to present their ideas in high stake settings. You know, I, I think those are, are critical skills that are often overlooked or you're expected to just figure it out. And yet, they're critical to being a thought leading organization and is to have lots of people throughout your organization who have those skill sets and can be out sharing expertise in lots of different forums. And finally, I think they need to think about their ecosystem, that they, they operate, most organizations operate in an ecosystem. And the 
others that are around them, they could be working together to amplify an idea or amplify other voices that are happening in their industry around things that they that matter to them. So what about the, the traps or the pitfalls that you've seen other thought leaders stumble through that you can help our folks that are listening avoid? I think the biggest one is just that voice in our head that says, you know, who am I to matter? You know, who am I to make a difference in these things? I think those those voices are very loud. A lot of the times it feels overwhelming. You know, how am I going to impact trust? That seems almost impossible. And yet my invitation is that if we all get started with our own little spark, our own pebble in the pond, that those ripples will magnify. And and second, I think that people I see as an individual on thought leaders, I think the other thing I see a lot is we get very excited at the beginning and we jump in and we, we do a lot of action in the first three months. And then, you know, we kind of lose momentum because we have sort of maybe an over over big view of what's going to happen as a result of putting our ideas out there. We think it's going to maybe be super positive at the beginning, but honestly, it takes time to really have a well-honed voice and have a well-respected point of view. That takes commitment. That takes, you know, being a change agent in your industry over time. And that I think is something I want to invite people to think about is how can I make a commitment to this? How can I stick to it and understand that that even if I've dropped out a little bit, it's okay. My voice is still needed. My ideas are still important. And my willingness to use my platform for progress is exactly what I can do today. So, Denise, in your work as a coach and a consultant and a writer and a speaker and all the other hats that you wear, do you see uh, the value in, in these accountability groups and these mastermind groups to support fellow thought leaders in the long term, right? Because as you said, it's great to get started, but how do you find follow through and and create change. Yeah, Caroline, what's so exciting is that we're starting to see, and I get these calls now more frequently, that people are calling and saying, you know, we want to create a, a group, a collaborative group. They don't necessarily call it a tribe, which is what I call it, but you know, we want to create a group of, we're running an incubator and we want all our CEOs to be in a thought leadership group because they un- we understand that their voices also have to matter, not just their products and their services. And I get big companies calling me and saying, this department of ours, you know, it's completely unknown in the industry and yet they're facing a competitive challenge of, of, of taking uh, of hiring and retaining talent and so they want that voice to be stronger they want the to develop those folks and they put them into a group to do it which of course I advocate all the way because when we have a group of people that we're working with we have role models we see other people putting their voice out and we start to feel safer and we start to also see oh oh, they did that? That doesn't look so hard. Or they weren't any further along at the beginning than I was. And if they're making that kind of progress, I can too. So I really advocate this idea of a trust tribe or a thought leadership circle where you can actually work together to develop, even if you're working on different ideas, but together having that support structure where you work over months at a time together to really to shape that public voice. Denise, you are incredible. I am so grateful to have you in my life. And I am grateful that our global listening audience can benefit from your thought leadership. And I want to remind everybody that your extraordinary book, Ready to Be a Thought Leader, is available on Amazon and major book retailers. And more importantly, love your book, but more importantly, the TEDx talk is live on your website, which is thoughtleadershiplab.com. 
and I want everybody to check it out. Denise, thanks for being with me today. Thank you so much, Caroline. And if you like the show, I hope you will subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud or even better, leave us a review and let us know what career development themed questions and issues you have so we can address them on a future show. You can find me at Twitter at C. Dowd Higgins or send me a direct email at Caroline at CarolineDowdHiggins.com. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. Thanks for listening.